Good afternoon and welcome to the channel Final Bell. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Lower corn, higher beans, and lower wheat. That's what we looked at on these markets today. I take that back. Wheat ended up on the mixed side because we saw some some green coming out of Chicago. Flip the page, the livestock side, not a pretty scene. And the, the big question is, what's the why when it comes to this cattle market and the big drop we saw there? A variety of things we're going to look at in this market trade today, including just a lot of lack of news. We just kind of seem to be an autopilot at this point. We're going to talk about that, the potential for a government shutdown, what that might mean for our information coming to all of us on this grain trade. Lots to look at today as Sam Hudson joins us. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. So let's start there. You're the one that said to me, kind of on autopilot. And I think that's probably the best way to describe the way these grains are trading right now. That's right. There's not a lot of fresh new information. We're on the front end of harvest. We've kind of seen that initial push. We've seen the inversions come out of the market. Uh, and over the last week or so, we've seen some rains sweep across the Midwest that have kind of reset the table in terms of uh, you know, getting everyone, you know, prepared for uh, a bigger run. And, and that's true with both the producer side and the commercial side. And so I think it's going to be somewhat good for the market to let everyone kind of find their bearings again. Obviously, one of the biggest drags we've seen here uh, is uh, in barge freight. You know, our river movement is going to be tough. I think it's going to help facilitate uh, some movement to the processor and in the feed yards here at the onset of harvest. But you hope at some point we can start to revive that export program um, as we get a little bit deeper into the fourth quarter here, so we don't have to be so concerned about uh, you know seeing cuts in demand, and you know those estimates themselves are something that uh, you know is potentially in question here as we move forward. We've got the stocks report this this Friday, but if we see any sort of a government shutdown, uh, those could be the last numbers we see for quite a while, and then be flying in the dark and into into winter with a dynamic that really isn't real positive. Yeah, and who would think that the? I mean, we don't know what next week is going to bring market wise, what next week's going to bring a uh, government shutdown wise, but this does put a little wrench in everything when you rely on these reports to give you the data you need to market. Well, it does. And we, and we all know, you know, kind of the fact of the matter of where we stand today. You know, there's still a little bit of banter about yield as we finish things up here. And the next round of reports would presumably have a little bit more combine data in them and may suggest, uh, you know, a little bit more towards final direction on, on USDA yield that forecast. But the demand side of the thing is the geopolitics that are going to influence that into the end of the year here. Um, you know, still going to be, you know, very important. And if we don't have that data, as you mentioned, uh, you know, we're going to have to rely even more on basis and spreads. And that's something that we're probably, uh, we should probably be leaning on pretty hard at this point in time anyways, uh, you know, just given the certain, given the situation and timing. Well, I understand there was a corn sale yesterday to Mexico. Nothing today, but nice to hear, hear some buys coming in at least. Yeah, it is. And, you know, that's tip, it's more typical business, I would say. Uh, but there's been a lot of uncertainty about whether or not we were going to get that business. If so, how much was it going to be? Uh, there's been a lot of debate about the, you know, GMO, non-GMO and, and what that's going to look like moving forward with Mexico. But, uh, you know, it, to their credit, I mean, it comes to, you know, a good time for them, you know, at a time where, you know, U.S. prices are somewhat competitive outside of having to be on a boat. And so uh, if they can get some of that rail demand fed, you know, that's a good, you know, grab as much as we can for now because we're playing from behind. And, you know, if we rally this market based on demand, it's going to take a while to, to build that steam. Uh, because it doesn't appear that we've got any major, you know, additional supply cuts coming. We did see crop condition ratings yesterday. Of course, it's kind of the end of the season for that. Uh, but we did see it drop a, a couple percentage points again for the soybeans, and that takes them down to 50% good to excellent, which is the lowest rating of the season, and actually the second lowest since 2003. So we continue to see, uh, you know, suggestions that we're going to continue to see, you know, sub-trend, uh, uh, you know, yields hold here. 
Um, but there again, you know, what kind of a demand throttle are we going to see over the next two or three months? That's probably the biggest question for the soybean market. And you talk about that without having to put them on the boat situation. We know that everything that's going on in the Mississippi River and, and what's happening in the Panama yep. Canal continue to be talked about in, in mainstream media besides just agriculture. And that's right. You know, I mentioned some rains here across the Midwest over the last week. It was great to finally catch something meaningful around here to just settle the dust and you know, make things a little bit softer and provide a little bit more optimism on even getting fertilizer in the ground. But it doesn't really put much of a dent at all, uh, in, you know, in the, in the river system. And that just speaks to how much these tributaries and groundwater in general needs to be filled up before we see any additional flow. Uh, any relief seen there because of these rains is going to be short-term in nature. And so hopefully we can see a few more here along the way just to keep things from, you know, Getting, you know, staying away from the worst case scenario uh, as we try to ship this crop. And for now, I think you're going to see a lot of those inventories, uh, you know, from the southern harvest uh, get to port first, and we're going to try to find a home for the rest of it in the meantime. What about ethanol? I mean, we haven't had a lot of talk about it, but I was understanding margins are just kind of there at this point. They're there. You know, the challenge with ethanol is, uh, is uh, you know, the glass ceiling in terms of how much we can use. Uh, it's not like we can make up all the export losses with ethanol at the same time. And so uh, I think the one good thing is that without the export market firing on all cylinders, it's giving those processors probably a little bit of confidence uh, to get some supplies booked as they go into winter. Where they've got good margins. Um, why not go out and secure that supply so you don't have to worry about chasing it later? Uh, I think that's a silver lining if you can find one. But there again, that's not really enough to push any expectations on overall demand. And that keeps uh, the idea that a corn carryout at two billion plus is going to be, uh, you know, almost a you know, certain, uh, you know, almost a certainty here as we get into next year. Well, in the wheat market, I know winter wheat planting is uh, right at about twenty six percent, but again, many areas planting in the dust. That's right. And then, you know, from a supply standpoint, you know, stocks to usage, we've got the most breathing room there. You know, between corn, beans, and wheat, I mean, still over thirty percent stocks to usage in the in the wheat. Um, continue to see headlines about Ukraine and the Black Sea and all the conflict over there, but it hasn't equated to anything in terms of demand. The U.S. has the largest carries with variable storage rates, uh, and so we're the last point of supply. Now, one thing I would comment on there is that we continue, how long have we talked about the short position by the funds? Uh, that still rests there, pretty large position, but we've actually seen a, a bit of a step up in commercial buying here over the last several weeks. And so I think that's something to at least take a little bit of notice of, because if there is a reason for the market to turn and they've got ownership, um, you, you know, the, the scared, uh, you know, participant there could be those funds, but we still need a catalyst. Uh, and of course, that's still been kind of a dead weight uh, for corn as well, just in world grain values altogether. All right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue here with the channel Final Bell. Uh, just was doing some <laughs> reading right before we started this program, talking about some economic pressure on the cattle that coming from the outside. We'll talk more about that as we get ready for the second half. It's the channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. KRVN. Welcome back to the channel Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation with Sam Hudson. Sam, of course, with Corn Belt Marketing. And as we wrap up the grain side, I kind of want to get your thoughts, Sam. A lot of folks are talking about, do I store versus, you know, sell right off the combine? What's the kind of discussions that you guys are hearing from the Eastern Corn Belt? 
Well, it really depends, you know, on location. But if you if you focus on that central and eastern, as you mentioned, um, you know, we put a lot of cash court, uh, carry in the soybean market. In fact, if you look at uh, the carry between November and January, you've got that out to oh, what maybe eighteen, almost eighteen cents now, something like that. Um, so getting getting to be you know seventy eighty percent of full carry, those are values that take a look at things. Um, our river basis has, has dropped out as well because of those freight rates and the fact that demand has been kind of lackluster. And so, you know, when you see forty forty to fifty cents a carry uh, between harvest and December on the river, it's it's almost a, an automatic to go store that. And, and what you have to consider there too is. Uh, you know, how to turn, you know, bushels into cash and what makes the most sense when you look at interest rates where they're at when you're thinking about prepaying for next year. All these things are, you know, start to come back into the equation. And we've continued to see a pretty big desire to, uh, you know, stay away from, from pricing of any corn, you know, whether it's a DP program or storage or something like that. Uh, we haven't seen quite uh, the, the amount of carry there compared to soybeans, but uh, I think that's going to be a big a big, a popular choice here at Harvest. The question is, when do you pull the trigger? And, you know, you can, decide to wait on something because the carrier is there but if you don't lock it up uh you know you run the risk of giving that back at some point so any you know mid to post harvest rallies and basis and futures i think you're going to be respected so trying to figure out where to get your self positioned ahead of time as you go into the end of the year i think is something to really think about and when you've got carry like this uh it, it has to be figured into the equation because the market's paying you to do it so switch gears over to the livestock side, and, and obviously a lot of negativity in both the cattle and the hogs. I mean, nearby hogs are the only ones um, that saw some positive numbers. But I was reading some of the headlines over the noon hour, and they were talking about outside economic pressure um, factoring into this cattle market. And I think it depends on what you see as outside market influence on that. Is it the consumer? Is it the dollar? Is it just global? What's kind of your pinpoint that you might be seeing affecting the way we see these cattle trading? Well, I don't know if you can focus on just one thing. I, w- I would favor to say it's a little bit everything. I mean, I would start at interest rates. When we're in a situation, you know, that we're in right now, the cattle and feed report last week didn't tell us anything we really didn't already know. And, you know, that herd consolidation is here. It's, it's, it's con- you know, continued for, uh, you know, quite a while now. And now with rates going up, that's not going to make it any easier to go out. When you look at replacement costs, some of these animals, uh, and just the risk in general. And so when you throw in, oh my gosh, you know, what if the economy starts to slip on top of that all at once? You get a, a little bit of a volatile, um, you know, kind of a, a skittish trade, I guess is what I would label it. Now, at the end of the day, you know, one down day doesn't can completely, you know, erase what we've been talking about from a fundamental standpoint. So I think you got to look at the fact that we had a little bit of momentum up. We had a really flat day yesterday after Kettle on Feed Report. We took out the low and never looked back. Uh, if you continue to keep this momentum going, I think you got to look at spreads here as a as an indicator. Um, we did see a little bit of strength here, uh, you know, today in the in the weaker trade on uh, you know, the contract going into delivery, where you've got uh, you know, the October rallying against the December uh, with cash prices, you know, looking pretty fair. But we've seen the same sort of uh, you know spread, uh, interesting spread trade in the feeders. We've seen weak spreads really for the better part of the last several weeks. And so today, uh, you know, we finally saw the September rally against the October as it gets ready to go off the board and the October rally against the, the November. And so I think this is a, a very important you know, place for this market. If we can keep the, the spot contract above 250, I think that keeps optimism there. Um, but otherwise, I think this is really just advertising the availability of feed as we go into winter and the enthusiasm we're going to continue to see in that cash market. You know, the cattle guys like to, to buy cattle and they're going to do it. Yeah, especially when we continue to hear all that discussion and see the numbers on social media of some of these these heifer and replacement cow prices. It makes you wonder where we're going to be at in the cycle of rebuilding these herds. That's right. And no one wants to get caught. And I think that's, you know, from the hedging, from the producer side, I mean, understand where you're at. Uh, some of these LRP programs are offering, you know, just another uh, 
you know, a tool in the tool chest to protect risk. But at the end of the day, that's the, these are the type of numbers that the market's digesting. Um, and again, we're not really learning anything new. It's just trying to figure out uh, how to throttle all of it. All right. What are you looking at uh, livestock-wise, market or grain-wise, as we head into the rest of the week? Uh, you know, I think you're going to see a little bit of choppy waters here. I do think soybeans could, could continue to levitate just a little bit as we get close to that stocks report. I don't know if we're going to have any major surprises there. I, I can't see it for corn, really. I think we're going to be sitting on, the, on ample stocks there. The soybean situation is a little bit more interesting because we're on that 5% stocks to usage point where, you know, underneath that uh, really gets the market pretty sensitive. But anything above that can kind of throw the market into a bit of a complacent stance. Uh, and we would not want to see that going into winter, uh, especially with the possibility that we lose uh, you know, some of these USDA reports upcoming. So hopefully we don't see anything major there. We get into, you know, kind of a directionless trade here and let the market do the talking. And then I guess we'll see if the government's going to throw a hand in it uh, as well here in another two or three weeks. All right. Lots of great stuff today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? 800-655-3380 or www.cornbeltmarketing.com. All right. Thanks so much. Sam Hudson's been joining us today with Corn Belt Marketing. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that today is the Channel Final Belt being brought to you by Channel Seed and all their local dealers. Pick this up as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.